This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. We are in the dying seconds of the Eagles beating the Miami Dolphins. I do think there was the possibility before an offsides penalty for a third consecutive tush push. And I do think the Eagles dodged a bullet a little bit in that if there had been a third consecutive tush push on a given down and a given short yardage um, on that drive that to convert that I think there would have been more pressure to ban it in prime time. Like everybody watching all it takes is one like Tariko Collinsworth comment and the entire narrative changes. I already defended the tush push. I'm also not calling it the new name. I saw that somebody's been trademarking it. I'm not, they're not paying me. Um, the new name that is. Um, and so I'm a defender of it. I think it's very funny when other teams fail at it because they don't have Jason Kelsey and aren't built for some of the best short yardage blocking we've ever seen. Like Mitchell Schwartz was on the show a couple weeks ago talking about how it's basically old school field goal blocking from college football. Like, yeah, I'm a fan of that. But like if it extends drives over and over and over in the fourth quarter in primetime, people start talking. So that's just, that's a small thing. It's a small thing. Um, I'm going to use that. That game, a, a, a what ended up being a resounding Eagles win, um, I'm going to use that as a jumping off point because not all statement games are created equal. The way I look at it, the way I look at all contenders, certainly in the first half of the season, I don't think there's anything more worthless on this earth than being like, who's the best team at the quarter pole of the season? Okay, fine. Like, who who cares? Like, I remember a couple of years ago, actually a while ago, when I was in college, there was a year the Cowboys were good. That's how that's how long ago it was. Uh, the Packers were good, Patriots were good, and and they kept playing these games, and people were calling it like Super Bowl, whatever it was, 40, 41 and a half and quarter and all this stuff. And it's like Super Bowl forty one and a quarter because we're playing in October. Get it? And it was just. It was just fluff. Like there, it's impossible to make an actual statement. Like actually, it's funny. I was talking to somebody in the league office uh, over the summer, and they were talking about why the the first game of the season was the Lions, and they said, "Well, the other option, one of the other options, was a Super Bowl rematch." And the problem is, is that everybody hates it. It's unfulfilling, and a Super Bowl rematch doesn't really matter because you're not getting any revenge. Because September, October, none of this stuff matters. It's all, especially if you're a good team like the Eagles, it's all just measuring sticks and trying to figure out where you're going to be in January, but you're not learning anything about yourself, okay? So not all statement games are created equal. Um, I'm going to get to the things I learned about some of these contenders in a second. Um, But like a great example, like Rams Chiefs a couple years ago, 54, 51, something like that. They go back and forth. Like what am I supposed to learn from that other than I knew what these teams were. They played an amazing game. And let's just sit back and enjoy it. I didn't sit. I didn't sit there after that amazing game on Monday night and say, "Oh my God, I can't wait to draw these conclusions." No, you just sit back and say, "This is a great game." And so there's some of those games, and there's some games where you say, "Oh, this team shocked me and did something that I didn't think they were capable of, and now I need to reassess." That's why there are different categories of statement games. To me, I did not learn anything I didn't know about the Eagles four hours ago. Um, they are tough. AJ Brown. And I saw some, someone, I saw this like, oh, toughness beats finesse every single time. You know what? The Eagles have finesse too. And that's the problem. If you're a team trying to defend them, 
AJ Brown strong as hell, but he also has just tied Calvin Johnson for the most consecutive 125 yard games five since the merger. Um, they can Jalen Hurts is missing throws, and they were still connecting downfield. Um, they're a badass team, and I knew all that stuff four hours ago. Dolphins undermanned as the as the game went on. Already were in the in a broader context. Made a bunch of stupid penalties, but they can move the ball. Made a couple of crippling mistakes, and if I'm a Dolphins fan going on the road to Philadelphia, I don't feel awful about this. By the way, like. And this is part of it. And I know, I know we don't like to break this stuff down, but like the Dolphins haven't played in many big moments at all. There's not, there's not been a lot of pressure on the Dolphins as a franchise. Like I, I, it's been, I mean, the, the pressure was stop being awful. That was the pressure and they've done that. And so that they're into the next kind of stratosphere. The Eagles have a lot of big game reps, a lot of primetime reps. Like this is, it's a different end of the pool for the Dolphins right now. So you're learning that. And and the way I view it is like when I watch these games, I think if I'm drafting teams, if all of the money, all the assets in the world I that I own, and it's not much, is going into a little pool, a little kitty, and I'm just drafting teams that can win the Super Bowl among my friends, and they've done the same thing with all of their assets, which again, not much. Got a lot of broke friends. Um and I ha- in order to win my money back, I have to draft the team, snake draft, that win the su- wins the Super Bowl. Like, that, that's how I gauge these kind of games. Does anybody move up or down on that? Because I do not care, as I said earlier, about quarter season MVP, half season MVP, all that stuff. It's about where are you and your goal to win the Super Bowl. Play to win the games. So, with that in mind, I want to talk about the Lions and the Ravens. Because... That's a game where I am moving both of those teams in my hypothetical, all my assets go away, power rankings. Um, I got fi- to find a snappier way to phrase that. And I will. I will. I, I apologize and I'll do better midweek for the asset. I lose on my assets, Super Bowl team draft. Um, but the Lions got their ass kicked. And... I was wondering, I mean, a couple of years ago, the Packers lost that game to the Saints week one in Jacksonville against the Saints, if you remember, because of the uh, some of the uh, hurricane stuff. And uh, James Jones is on my show like midweek. And I said, dude, what, what, what happens? Like, how does, how does a team like the Packers, a really good team who I think ended up making the NFC title game that year again, how does that, how does, how does the, the axle break, right? And he was like, it's, it, it just starts. I mean, it honestly sounded like he was describing the Ernest Hemingway thing, right? Like slowly then all at once. Like eventually you just start laughing and you're just like, ah, everything that could go wrong went wrong. And then you don't quit, but you just kind of go, eh, whatever. We'll, we'll live to fight another day. Um, so at the beginning of this game where it gets to be 28 to nothing, I'm wondering if this was a James Jones type of game, if that's what he was describing. Um, because I think that those sort of games happen and good teams can lose by 21, 28 points. Um, the Dolphins got their ass kicked by the Bills a couple weeks ago. I would pick currently the way things have, have developed since then. I would pick them, the, the Dolphins to beat the Bills right now. Um, pretty much in the same scenario. So 
I was wondering if I was going to veer towards that, and then I just saw so many things that I'm now dropping the Lions. Not significantly. They're still 5-2. and two. They still have an identity along the lines. Jared Goff is still really good over the past full season of the NFL uh, NFL games that he's played over two seasons, 17 games. Coming into the season, it was 29 touchdowns, four interceptions over the past 17 games. Those numbers are going to get worse, but they're still going to be a lot better than a lot of the quarterbacks in this league. Um, so here's why I was concerned. Number one, the Lions front did nothing. Um, so I said Aiden Hutchins had more rough in the passer penalties than quarterback hits. The Lions had the top passing, excuse me, the top rush defense in the NFL, 64 yards per game. Hadn't surrounded 100 yards rushing. Ravens not only got two touchdowns, 146 yards, but were able to do whatever they wanted. This was like the junior, for a while there, this was like the junior league version of like Broncos, Dolphins, where it felt like if the Ravens were intent on just embarrassing Dan Campbell and the Lions, they could have done it. Now, second half, it it certainly didn't get closer. Uh, Lions at one point scored a mercy touchdown, but uh, maybe it was a little more competitive. But still, it was like to me, it looked like, and I saw a report that they had changed and 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 weaned off some of the practice schedule this week because there was more physical opponents coming. But to me, it looked like they didn't practice. It looked like they didn't game plan. It looked like, more importantly, like they didn't know who the, they were playing. Like, it looked like they didn't know Lamar Jackson was, like, a mobile quarterback. Um, this, to me, I'm making up a term right now. This was a Google game. Google who the Baltimore Ravens are and go from there. Because it felt like they weren't doing that. Um, having said that, they changed their identity a little bit. They're a zone team. Top 10 in the league running zone. They played a lot of man. Dan Campbell talked about that in the press conference afterwards. Changed their identity a little bit. Did not work. Did not work. Mark Andrews, wide open all day. Ricard, the fullback, was wide open. Albert Breer was talking about how uh, Travis Kelsey had a little uh, kind of a – down the left side of the field. He hadn't seen anybody in a long time that open in the NFL field. Let me tell you something. Ricard, the damn fullback, had so much space. So much space that I I didn't I, I was I thought maybe they like it was like a total breakdown like this they caught caught in a substitution or whatever and it's like no they just let the fullback find space it is so hard to find space in football it's the lifeblood of the sport like these are these huge fast guys who move laterally that's all the sport is lateral movement with the fastest six five two hundred eighty pound guys on the planet and somehow. Ricard's running running free in the middle of the biggest patch of grass you've ever seen in your entire life with nobody else around him. Um, so when I see games like that, I, it makes me think that a team, especially on the defensive end, I felt made a lot of strides, didn't make the kind of strides I thought. A front that I thought was going to be disruptive enough to play against good teams, maybe they're not necessarily there. Now, everything I've said about the the Lions is still true. I am in awe of their three-year plan as a rebuild. They're going to win that division. But my my thought process, and maybe this is my fault, I overrated them coming into this weekend because I thought they were in the top, top tier of the NFC. And they're not. And uh, I, I don't – again, if I'm just picking what it's going to like in January – 
that's where I feel right now. I do. They're they're on a, they're on a tier with the Cowboys, and don't I know that I've just destroyed the Cowboys the last couple of weeks, but like that's that's still an okay thing to do. Um, so from the Ravens side, like everybody, I saw a couple people like, oh, the the Lions got exposed today. Aaron Glenn got exposed. The best version of Lamar exposes everyone, and like everyone. And the problem with the Ravens is we don't get the best version of Lamar all the time, whether that's because he's playing sloppy, whether that's play calling, whether that's they're forcing something, um, injuries, whatever it is. We don't always get the best version of Lamar. We got it today. We got the best version of Mark Andrews. We got the best version of Patrick Ricard from Maine, from the University of Maine. I didn't even know that until I saw Chris Berman hype it up Maine on NFL primetime. Um, And so... Those two teams switched in my mind. And the Ravens, a team that I, I sung the praises a couple weeks ago. They played some of the weirdest games in the world. I, I knocked them back down. You know, I saw I saw a question earlier tonight reading some of the beat, re- beat reporting work from the games saying, are the Bills or the Ravens more equipped to make the Super Bowl? I'm not even sure it's a question right now. Um, the Bills, and let's go through that. Speaking of teams, I'm just they were just free falling in my lose all your asset rankings. Um, you guys know the poem "If" by Kipling. It talks about losing everything in one turn. At what? I, maybe I'll maybe I'll fold that in. Maybe I'll fold that in. Um, but the Bills, mercy. Um. It's funny. I saw a great line from Derek Klassen, really smart about quarterbacks. Who said last week? Said last week, Josh Allen's curse is that he is exactly as good as whoever he is playing against. Perfect line, perfect. And you almost put the Bills in that right now. Right now, they blew out. They used to blow out teams. They don't do it anymore. They played the Giants last week, and I, I mean, I, I will just briefly flick at the Giants. Uh, the Giants beat a team in the Commanders that is about to go into absolute freefall. Jonathan Allen sounding off post game. Uh, seems like that's a bad vibe. Might need to change code to sooner rather than later. Give Eric Bianami a shot. See where that goes. Okay. Um, so the Bills play the Giants. Could have lost that game very easily. They do lose to a team who is so bad that everybody was greasing the wheels for the best coach of all time to get fired by these this group of guys. And this team was so bad that the Patriots or someone involved with Bill Belichick had to get out there that Belichick had actually signed an extension. And he's unlikely to be fired this year. Then Tom Curran comes down and says he'd be surprised if it's if it goes past 2024. So then the third wave of that story is, oh well that means Belichick's going into a contract year and next year and a decision needs to be made. So that's that's where they spent their Sunday morning. And then the Bills, a team I thought were on probably the second level of Super Bowl contenders, lay an absolute egg and like lost their identity. Like that was the biggest thing that, that frustrated me. So Josh Allen averaged his longest time to throw in a game this season, 3.26 seconds. Um, pressured over and over and over again. Uh, I think it was his highest pressure rate this year. Quick game stuff, 
didn't have an incompletion, 135 yards and 17 passes, two touchdowns. When he was holding on to the ball, 10 of 24, 130 INT, all over 2.5 seconds via next-gen stats. That ties into this. Um, throws 15 yards or more down the field, 2 of 10 on Sunday. And his completion percentage on those throws has dropped his VSPN below 46%. Um, seven picks on those throws already matches the second most in any season. He had seven in 2021. He'll get there. And he had nine in 2018. You remember what 2018 Josh looked like? He just wasn't there yet. So I don't think he's regressing or anything. I think he's pressing. And I think that the pressure's on Ken Dorsey to figure this out a little bit. Um, the pressure is on everybody in the offensive side of the ball because the defense is not going to be able to stop a lot of people with all those injuries. And we talked about the Matt Milano thing a couple weeks ago and how he was the Dolphin stopper. He had, what, five stops just in that game alone. And then all of a sudden, he's out for the year. Uh, they have they have defensive tackle problems. I don't know when that unit returns to health exactly. Um, 5.7 points in the first three quarters scored in the last three games. Uh, and they're just having to come from behind every single time and hope that it happens. Didn't happen. Mike Kosicki, who was having not, – not fitting in in New England before this game. Like Mike Kosicki, not going to have the NFL career. Maybe we thought he was a couple of years ago. But guess what? He had a throwback game against the Buffalo Bills because Josh Allen is pressured on 42% of his dropbacks. Um, this is a team in real disarray. And with some of the injuries, I don't know how they get there. But again, I, I probably give, and, and let's go through the schedule real quick. They have the Bucks on Thursday night, the 26th, so th this Thursday, big game. Relatively speaking, relative to where they are, shouldn't be a big game, but it is. And then they play the Bengals. And that's actually the team I wanted to bring up here. Because I give the benefit of the doubt, generally, maybe it's because I picked them to make the Super Bowl. I, I give the benefit of the doubt that the Bengals will figure out the things I see in front of me right now, which is just a team that isn't there yet. And I'm not doing that for the Bills. Because there's a combination of too many injuries. And I just right now believe in Joe Burrow getting better than what I see, then I do Josh Allen for this year. Uh, there's nothing, nothing else other than this year. But that, that's where I'm at right now with the Bills. Not, I can't write them off. I can't make any grand declarative sentences. All I can say is, is that they are tumbling down. I'm not even calling my power rankings. Whatever you think, whatever I thought they were two months ago, they're not that team. And that's not the worst thing you can say about a team. I... Whatever I said about the Cowboys three weeks ago after the Niners game is the worst thing I can say about a team, um, but they're somewhere in the middle. Um, speaking of the worst thing I can say about a team, Brandon Staley says they need a reset after their loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, I'm not sure I would say that out loud. Uh, great line I once heard years ago from a basketball coach, actually. And he said, you should take all the responsibility when your team plays poorly. 
But just remember, at some point, the owner is going to believe you, right? So, like, you can say, this one's on me. This one's on me, guys. At some point, the owner is going to go, hey, this guy's taking all the blame. He's right. He's fired. And, uh, man, I, Brandon Staley, you are in job protection mode, brother, because it is very close to being over unless there's some contractual thing I don't know about. Because they're not going to change anything with Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert, and then, let's back up here for a second. So there's this new thing now online where everybody says, why aren't we looking at Justin Herbert? Who's not looking at Justin Herbert? Justin Herbert is not playing very well. He's missing on throws. There are some tips and interceptions and all that stuff, but he's also just throwing picks. He's forcing stuff. His career record is 27 and 28. I am a huge Justin Herbert fan. But I don't know, from what I gleaned, it's just like there's three or four people they want to disavow Justin Herbert, and those people are not doing it, so that's now become the media is not, the media is not turning on Justin Herbert. First of all, they shouldn't turn on Justin Herbert, because guess what? Justin Herbert's been a lot better at his job over the past three years than Brandon Sealy's been at his, and that Tom Telesco's been at his. And I'm not even sure Telesco needs to go. I've had some Chargers fans tell me that, but... I, 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 there's some contraction, uh, uh, ownership, structural things with the Spanos family that maybe hamstring a GM that wouldn't hamstring a coach. Um, the offense is fine, but it hasn't taken a step forward. Uh, Kellen Moore, I've said Kellen Moore's overrated. Um, I stand by that. I also think that it's time now to stop playing games and get an offensive head coach for Justin Herbert. And if he's not going to overcome his, whatever roster limitations are around him, which are, are surprised to everybody, if he can't do that, let's give him the coaching resources that he needs. Because I don't think he has right now. Brandon Staley, not good. Today, the Chiefs pressured Justin Herbert on 33% of his dropbacks, second highest pressure rate this season. One of six with an interception. When he was pressured. Um, Travis Kelsey, for a defensive coach, again, we'll call it a Google game. Brandon Staley, buddy, do you have any idea who Travis Kelsey is? Because I saw some of those stats, man. He carves you up, and Gus Bradley didn't have that problem. Gus Bradley did not have that problem. So it's a Google game for Brandon Staley. We're going to get you. I mean, let me tell you something. The Google results right now for Travis Kelsey are many, and it might take you a while to find out who he is as a player, but you'll get there, man. You will get there. I have faith in you. You're an analytics coach. Um, Travis Kelsey caught all eight of his open targets for 104 yards. He entered into the game hauling every one of his 26 open receptions this year. Um, Do not give Travis Kelsey eight targets on one game where he has over three yards of separation. That's what open means for next-gen stats. Um, The pass defense was atrocious for a guy who's supposed to be good at that. Chiefs scored 24 points in the first half. It's VESPN. Second most the Chargers have allowed in a half since Taylor became coach. Mahomes is 321 passing yards in the half. Second most of any half of Mahomes' career. Uh, Mahomes did whatever he wanted. And so, again, I return to the only question I have about Brandon Staley. If I'm a Spanos, I call Brandon Staley into my office and I say, Brandon Staley, convince me not to fire you. 
I don't know what he says other than I'm cheap. Or I'm not even know if I'm cheap. It would be expensive for us to move offices around and for you to give Kellen Moore some sort of prorated salary to finish the season's interim coach. That is literally it. Unless there's something I don't know about. But I'm, that's that's where I'm at right now. Um, so that's, that's the Chargers right now. The Chiefs are really good. And I don't like the, – but the problem is when you have Justin Herbert, you're supposed to spend I, – I, I don't have it in front of me, but the Warren Sharp broke down the numbers last week about the spending. They've done so much spending on defense. They hired a defensive coach. They've got really good players, or at least on paper. And if it's if, – if, if, if it's all – if those guys aren't living up to their name, that's either a problem of the GM or the problem of the coach. I'll let those guys sort it out. Maybe everybody needs to go. But, the, but that's, that's, that's aside. Here's the issue. Everything you're doing is to close the gap on the Chiefs and you haven't done it. You're, it's getting further apart. So that's where I, that's that's just sorry. Someone else gets a chance to do that. Someone else gets a chance to close the gap between the Chiefs and the Chargers because all these other teams are trying to do the same thing and they're getting further and further away. And I don't even think the Chiefs are getting that much better. The Chiefs have lost a lot of talent. The Chiefs, could you imagine? I was just thinking today, like what the hell would have happened in this league if Tyreek Hill stayed in Kansas City? And I know there's not a lot of money to go around. They have to rob Peter to pay Paul, all that stuff. Maybe there'd be some defensive guys who they wouldn't be able to pay. Juwan Taylor probably wouldn't be in Kansas City. So there'd be less false starts. But I, I that... That is the problem when I look at that division. We have a question a little bit later about the, the division and wh- where everybody's at. But the goal, and I, again, I, I don't know if I've told the story, but like I remember someone from the Texans telling me that the reason they drafted Mario Williams first overall was that the owner was basically just like, how do we stop Peyton Manning? And like, what player can get us to stop Peyton Manning? And somebody was like, well, presumably the head coach was like, well, or the GM was like, we should probably just if you if that's the goal if that's literally the the function of the first overall pick we should get a pass rusher who's going to make Peyton Manning's life uncomfortable. Now it didn't really work, but that's why you take him over Reggie Bush. And so everybody kind of looks at it and they say, "How do we if we're the Broncos, Raiders, Chargers? How do we close the gap?" And the Chargers are by far equipped to close the gap. The easiest because they have a quarterback who is not on Mahomes' level, but he is on the next level down. It doesn't take much. It shouldn't take much. And the fact they have not been able to close the gap should be fireable. Um, I'm going to go through and speaking. I, I just actually want to talk about one more team that I would put above the Chargers, and that's the Browns, um, who. Won a very strange game, probably shouldn't have, but they were dealing with however you want to phrase PJ Walker, whether he's the third string quarterback or not. He um, was on the practice squad a couple a couple weeks ago, so uh, I don't know what you'd say there. But he played for most of the second half. Miles Garrett is one of the three best players in football. 
and he's the first player to record two or more sacks, two or more forced fumbles, and a field goal block in the same game since 2000. This is via the NFL. I am curious about that. I might ping the NFL on that. Did somebody do it in 2000, or do they literally just not have the stats? Literally, the National Football League does not have stats going back that far. I'm looking at that. Um, but I'm going to focus more. So the defense is good enough, even though they gave up 39 points to 38 points to Gardner Minshew. The defense is good enough to get them in the playoffs and win a playoff game. As I did my monologue on last week, they can ruin a season. But the conversation I had said on the show and on other shows that the, the way that they're treating the Deshaun Watson injury situation is going to lend itself to some conspiracy theories because first of all, it comes out, Oh, they're not going to play him unless he's pain-free. A lot of athletes would be very surprised that you're not supposed to play pain-free. Um, then second of all, like I, I don't, it's all been very kind of confusing. And then Sunday was the most confusing yet. So he comes out, got two things to check on his shoulder and a, a concussion. He passes the concussion test. It was very scary. Hit his head on the turf, uh, but he gets checked out. Doctor says he's ready to rock. So then he gets a shoulder check. So Kevin Stefanski says, I'm not going to let our franchise quarterback play like that. Again, a lot of quarterbacks would be surprised that that's the threshold is that you got, you had a hurt shoulder, you banged yourself on the turf and now we're we're not going to play anymore because you're the franchise quarterback. A lot of quarterbacks would be stunned to hear about that particular threshold to play because I haven't seen a whole hell of a lot of quarterbacks who've accepted that as a rationale, by the way. Um, but that's, again, that was all stuff we knew. But then here's the quote that made it just fly into just a completely different dimension. Kevin Stefanski is from Jake Trotter. Kevin Stefanski says Deshaun Watson would have gone back in the game had P.J. Walker gotten hurt. What? What? What just happened? What just happened when I read that quote? Because I feel like I'm in outer space right now. So Deshaun Watson, franchise quarterback, can't come back in the game. Got to protect him. But if he was, you know, if they were down to it, he could go back into the game. Are you hurt or are you too hurt to play or not? Like, I don't, and again, I don't think this is, maybe it is Watson. Maybe it's Stefanski. We're just going to get, here, here's my take on it. We're just going to get weird contradictions about this situation for a long time. So we might as well get used to it. This is already the worst deal in history of football. Um, when you consider the, the financial ramifications and the, and the trade and what they gave up. Um, but now. It feels like he's been benched-ish, benched adjacent. I don't know how to describe that. If he could come back in the game and play, if P.J. Walker got hurt, I'm having a hard time figuring out why that's not a benching. Maybe I'm just not smart enough to understand this. But this seems like a benching. And again, every single time this happens, it gets more frustrating because it shows you 
how stupid the whole thing was. How re- I used to I use the term reckless, but we can we now now transition into stupid. Um, because the roster was on its way, and now we're seeing what this roster would have looked like, and there were a lot of ways to get to where they needed to go that didn't involve selling out their franchise for the most expensive quarterback in history and expensive in a whole lot of different ways. Um, so yeah, weird contradictions, weird statements, all coming your way guys. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code OmahaFull and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, you keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only. Must wager with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas? Affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino? Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Um, all right, when we get to reader questions, um, I'll do a couple of kind of around-the-league things before we do that. Uh, Falcons, I mean, speaking of weird contradictions, B. Sean Robinson was basically a decoy today, didn't play very well, or didn't play very much. 
Um, no real answers on that. They win. Uh, they're four and three. The Falcons, man, you think the Chargers play the same game over and over again? The Falcons, man, that is that is one team that just it's Groundhog Day over and over again. Um, I was going to talk about the Raiders and Bears. We're doing that in, in listener questions. Um, anybody I didn't get to? Oh, uh, Seahawks Cardinals. Tuna Smith, another red zone pick I saw, um, but that's kind of kind of plain land safe safely. Seahawks twenty, Cardinals ten, um, and then everything else. Oh, th- I haven't even talked about the Steelers. Um, I don't. I actually don't know what to say. Uh, everybody, I got a bunch of texts asking me why Kenny Pickett plays better uh, in kind of scramble situations, two minute situations. My my only armchair theory on this, having not watched the game back, is again this is a two year thing now. It's uh, tempo, it's quick release, it's quick reads, quick decisions, and not overthinking it. And that there's a bunch of guys thrive in that environment. And one thing we've always heard about Kenny Pickett is he's like I, I know this sounds like a like a knock, but like you hear that some of the I remember scouts said this in the off season that are in one of the pieces that like he's he's better his intangibles make his tape better does that make sense um where i'm paraphrasing here but basically like it's a long way of saying it's a scouty way of saying he's a gamer and he plays better in big situations i know that sounds on analytics or whatever but like it's not like some guys are just better in the fourth quarter than they are in the first quarter that's just how this works um all right listener questions flint First up, we're going to hear from Andrew Grubbs. He asks, is Josh McDaniels the worst hire ever? Statistically, I know there are coaches that have had worse seasons, lost more games, and had worse winning percentages, but he feels like the worst. All right, so Andrew sent an extremely long email um, that I did not attach to this question, but I'm going to, I'm going to go through. Not, it's, not, it's not extremely long. It was just had a lot of bullet points here. I'm going to go through a couple of them here. Set a record for most losses while up double digits in his first season. Lost to Baker Mayfield on his third day with the Rams. Gave Chef Saturday his only win as a head coach. Crushed by the Bears with an undrafted free agent. That was today, by the way. Ran Derek Carr out of town to get his guy in Jimmy G and cannot score 20 points in in a game seven weeks into the season. Um, So... The question is, is Josh McDaniels the worst ever? That was the literal subject line of his email. I don't know if it means person or what, um, but let's stick with the question of whether or not he's the worst hire, because I find that fascinating. Joe Posnanski years ago did a thing about how he thought Eric Mangini was the worst hire of all time. When you just consider he just flunked out of the Jets, he kind of showed a little bit that, you know, maybe he's he got the Manginius nickname, then it became ironic, and then the Browns were like, we'll take you, buddy. We'll take you. Um, there have been a lot of uninspiring hires. There have been a lot of uninspiring hires. And it's funny because somebody was like, I, I did it on Twitter earlier and I was like, uh, somebody said, can we add Carl Durrell, Colorado? And I'm like, dude, 90% of college hires are uninspiring. But normally NFL hires have some sort of reasoning towards them. So my list of the worst hires of all time, I call them the pre-fired guys. I've talked about this before. Malarkey with Tennessee is in no order. Malarkey with Tennessee, John Fox with the Bears, Adam Gase with the Jets, Joshua Daniels with the Raiders, Dirk Cutter with the Bucks, Mike Malarkey with the Jags. Now, those are like 
retread division or just like internal promotions, right? Like Dirk Cutter had never been a head coach in the NFL, but he was the coordinator there. Then there's like the kind of off the reservation guys like Jim Tom Sula, where it's like, why did we hire this guy? Joe Judge was like that a little bit. Pat Shermer was in the retread category. Um, Scott Linehan was all bad. I saw some people mention that, but like also Linehan was a pretty good offensive play caller back then. I don't, I don't put that there. Both Lovey Smith and David Kelly, both of the one, one and done guys in Houston were really bad hires. But part of that was because nobody wanted that job in Houston. Um, Frank Reich is, is really on, on track here, really on track. So to be like a really bad hire is what I mean. Um, but then like people were like Vance Joseph Broncos. Like, again, there's justifications here. Some of these guys are coordinators and seem like the best candidate for a job. Josh McDaniels was not that. Um, uninspiring hire. Uninspiring team. And I hate calling for two people's jobs in one episode. Um, but that just... Sorry, those two guys need to give somebody else an opportunity. And listen, let, quote Don Draper, that's what the money's for, guys. Up next, Aza asks, which is the more depressing situation, the Raiders or the Broncos? So the reason I didn't the, I, I didn't throw Sean Payton in, in the previous one because I knew I was getting this question next. And by the way, to answer the question, I don't think Josh Daniels is the absolute worst hire in history. Probably Adam Gase with the Jets, at least in the last 20 years, but we'll put that aside. Sean Payton was a good idea that is going to end like the guys we just mentioned, I think. Unless, and I've said this before, unless they get an absolute franchise-changing quarterback, which they already thought they were getting and they gave up a lot of capital to get it. They're going to have to sit him at some point and cut him, move on. They won today, by the way. <laughs> um... I would rather be the Raiders because the Raiders can just, as Brandon Staley said, uh, reset. They can just say, you know what, Josh, we're done here. Jimmy G's got some weird foot injury that's going to void his contract at some point. And they can just say, we're starting anew. The Broncos have Sean Payton on a huge contract. They have Russell Wilson, or even if he leaves, they're in cap hell, hell for a couple of years. We're about to get a question about the Broncos that I just absolutely love. But I'd much rather be able to have the clean slate by 2025 than be paying bills on my past mistakes. So it's the Raiders. Next up is Matt with that trade proposal. He says the Broncos trade three first-round picks, Sertan, Judy, and Simmons, and the Chiefs trade the rights to Mahomes starting at his age 34 season. Who says no? All right. So this is – I'm sure the listener was confused by the question until we got to the qualifier. So the question is – and let's take Jerry Judy out of this. I, I, I all due respect to the question asker. Jerry Judy, not an asset. Salary dump. Or just player dump. He's not even a big salary. Um so the question is, would they take three first-round picks plus two good players for Patrick Mahomes in – so he's 28 now. So it'd be, it would be uh, six years from now. And I'm trying to figure out what, what year that is. That's uh, 2029. 
let's say 2029. Um, nobody would do it. And the Broncos would say no because it would put you in a complete state of limbo. I guess you could say we'll work out the Sean Payton, Russell Wilson demons for the next five years and then meet you in five years and then Mahomes can do his thing. But you wouldn't be able to like draft a quarterback. You wouldn't be able to sign a quarterback. You wouldn't be able to make a coach hire because Mahomes would want his own, you know, whatever. So like uh, it's an incredible hypothetical. But I actually think the Chiefs wouldn't do it because it's not enough. And the Broncos wouldn't do it because it would hamstring their franchise. But it's a great hypothetical and I'm into it. Thank you for the question. Finally, Stones asks, is Matt LaFleur on the hot seat? No, he's not. This is two separate questions, right? So should he be? No. Will he be? No. And so let me explain that. This has been an awful year. You cannot lose to the Broncos. You can't do it. Um, I mean, right now the Broncos, like there's been, like I think Mississippi State for years in the SEC, like in the early 2000s, was a team. They had some crazy run where they would beat somebody and then the coach would get fired because you just couldn't lose to them. And apologies to Mississippi State if that's if I'm misremembering that. But I know I believe that was the case. I think Ron Zook maybe lost to the Bulldogs, lost to right after. Um and but by the way, I mean Zook, come on. Come on. He anybody, there was a that was a glass of water standing on the edge of the table, man. That was ready to fall at any second. So whoever got Zook fired, don't take it personally. Um so you can't lose to the Broncos. Jordan Love, to me, seems bad. And he seems like he's missing throws. And I don't think... If you if you can criticize LaFleur on anything the past two years, it's failing to reckon with what his quarterback is. And here's what I mean by that. It was clear to me last year, whether it was a thumb injury or some other injury or he just was struggling... The Rodgers was not the same guy that he was during his MVP season. Missing throws, missing deep balls. And yet he put a lot of confidence in him on fourth and twos in high leverage situations and he dismissed those throws. You saw that a couple times against the Jets, uh, a couple other kind of commander's disasters, games that were much more meaningful before we realized the Packers were just okay last year. So... What I feel like has happened today is there's been a slight overconfidence maybe, or maybe they're trying to pump him up, where they're giving Jordan Love the opportunity to go be great, and I don't think he can currently do it. And given his age, given how long he's been in the system, I'm running out of patience for him to to show that he can be great. Um, he obviously took steps forward in as much that they were comfortable trading Aaron Rodgers and letting him be the guy. And I don't think that was the case at all a couple of years ago. I think he really did make strides in practice. And so I guess what I'm saying is like Matt LaFleur needs to call games. And listen, they've been banged up. They remain banged up. They're not a complete team right now. The roster should play better than it currently is even with, the, with those limitations. But like Matt LaFleur needs to understand that his quarterback until further notice it breaks my heart to say, because I, I, I do like that whole program. Uh, it, I don't think it's going to happen until further notice. I'm not, I'm not declaring it over, 
but it, I, I don't, I'm getting there. I don't think it's going to happen. How about that? I don't think it's going to happen. And I think that the best thing for LeFleur to do is get out the playbook that comes with, I don't think it's going to happen from his perspective. What does that mean to him? Um, and I'm intrigued to see it because I think this whole thing about, you know, what sucks, it sucks because the whole thing was like, Mark Murphy said, we're going to see the LeFleur offense. Right. And we did the first couple weeks of the season. We did. We saw so much. We saw so much variety. But if the LeFleur offense has a guy who, who's just making big mistakes running it, um, that's how that's how a tenure gets doomed. Um, so don't think he's even close to the hot seat. Think he's got a bunch of years. Think it's been a really screwed up situation there in the last few years. Not I'm sorry, not screwed up is the wrong word. Um, they've had a great quarterback who's an MVP level. It was just awkward. Every offseason was disjointed, all that stuff. So I don't think – I think they were going to give LaFleur a lot of grace. It's not like he's going to be on the Belichick plan or anything, but I think they understand he's going to have he's going to have a couple more years um, than, than a, a normal coach would. Um, and I also think he'd probably get another job. He's shown to be a good coach. Um, and again – like I made this point, but if winning that many games with Aaron Rodgers was so easy, Mike McCarthy would have done it in the last, what, seven years he didn't do it. So that's LaFleur is a good coach. And I think at some point he'll show that. So that's that's my take, and I think that's probably the take of the people who sign his paychecks and, and will continue to do so, even though this has been a brutal, brutal stretch. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We will be back midweek with another episode. A couple of football folks coming your way. See you on Friday as well. Thank you to Flynn. Thank you to Miles, who is still in Arizona. He's got Philly's fever. This has been This Is Football. We'll see you soon. 